Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 101. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here hosting your time at the diner, bringing you news, an interview that you won't want to miss, and the Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and much, much more as we continue our journey down the sci-fi, the science fiction, the science fiction pathway. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a letdown. But uh, how you doing, Miles? I'm doing fine. Um, I'm continuing to enjoy uh, Stargate uh, SG-1. Season three, man. Yeah. Man, you are just whipping through them. So it's, yeah. Is a spouse watching with you? No, I couldn't get her to watch them with me, which is too bad. I mean, she really enjoyed Stargate Universe, but maybe. Well, it's a different vibe. Oop, my coffee's hitting. I'm I'm actually drinking coffee in this room tonight, Miles. Right. That should tell our our listeners something. Well, it's not as hot as it was uh, last uh, week. No, in fact, we were out in the porch a moment ago eating ice cream, and it is downright cold out right. there to eat ice cream. So it's uh, cool. It's supposed to get a little bit cooler. I don't even have windows open, and it's not. It's comfortable. It is very comfortable. Yep. So uh, very nicely. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a pretty nice show tonight. No trivia tonight. Sorry to disappoint you, but we just gave a lot of trivia last week. We'll get the trivia back going next week because mm-hmm. we do have some prizes to give away. I have one that I'm going to be uh, working toward. I will will announce it next week. But if you like Laurie Holden and you like Walking Dead, we have a prize for you. We have a great Laurie Holden prize. It is a great Laurie Holden prize. Well, um, tonight at the diner, we're going to start with some TV news. This Sunday, we have, of course, Falling Sky is premiering. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, what to look forward to. In movie news, Green Lantern opens this weekend. And people were initially ambivalent about it, but I think people are kind of jumping on the Ryan Reynolds uh, bandwagon a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that. In DVD news, we have some more Green Lantern news because one can never have enough Green Lantern. Absolutely not. This is, this is the Green Lantern episode. We'll just call it that. And um, then we're also going to talk about a new Star Trek video game, and it absolutely looks amazing. Take that, Ben DeBono. And uh, <laughs> it is a – it's really cool. So we'll – Look at the trailer, talk about that. Miles, I assume you watched the trailer for that, right? I did. I, I was very impressed with it. And then we're going to talk about 19 classic movie monsters that scientists created by screwing up big. Yep. Screwing up big. And then we're going to, of course, give the twist. Miles, you have the twist. And Miles also has the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. We, we, again, we, so we don't have any trivia tonight, but let's move into our first promo to the night. And this first promo is from the Gamma Quadrant podcast, which is a podcast that I know you listen to. I listen to it all the time, yeah, whenever it's on, yeah. And uh, how often are they releasing episodes? Uh, they are faithful to release an episode uh, once a week. Um, uh, Seth, Ryan, and... Um, Oh, I'm dropping, losing some geek cred. Uh, um, the female co-host. Um, <laughs> they, they, from here on out, she'll be unnamed. <laughs> they review an episode of D Space Star Trek D Space Nine, and they <clears throat> they're up to season um, five, I believe now. And um, so, yeah, they review each episode, talk about the strengths, and weaknesses, talk about who directed it, um, get into you know uh, the guest stars. Uh, they just do a good, real good job of critiquing that episode. Do they give you any like trivia behind the scenes stuff? They not necessarily trivia, but they do 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 some behind the, behind the scenes stuff. Like maybe there would have been different um, a different guest actor for this this role, or originally a certain scene. There was a certain scene that that was too violent and it was not aired in uh, the UK because um, just a oh, intense, interesting. Fight, intense fighting scene they had in one of the, one of the episodes. So they'll give you they'll give you little details about that. Interesting. Very good. 
All Valerie. Right. Her name is Val- Valerie Loveland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who and Miles redeems himself for Ooh. one point. For yes. one point. All right. Well, here is the promo. Ever feel like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection, Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. And we are back. We're going to start off with some TV news. And Miles, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Fallen Sky and the premiere? Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited for this show. I saw the trailer a couple months ago, and it's going to open uh, this Sunday, June 19th. So set your TiVos, set your DVRs. You, if you have the old VCR method, do that too. Uh, but it starts this weekend. Um, a couple of notables are going to be in this. Uh, Noah Weil, who is best known for his work on um, ER. Uh, Moon Bloodgood, um, she was in the last Terminator movie. Uh, I'm not familiar with some of these other actors, but uh, just impressive trailer so far. It is a alien invasion movie, and it, it picks up six months after the aliens have invaded. So, uh, so and this is airing on what station? Oh, um, a TNT. TNT. I was going to say Fox is going to cancel it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> thankfully, Fox is not airing it, so yeah, so it won't be canceled. But right. no. Uh, so, Alien Invasion, and people were saying this is a little bit reminiscent of V. It is, but it looked like, but we were six months after it's happened, so we, we, we see the aftermath of, and it, it's not the aliens have not tried to ingratiate themselves. They just go in and attack. I mean, so, they haven't come in peace. They, the, these aliens have not come in peace at all. Yeah, well, neither did the other ones. They just said that. They just lied. They just lied. These aliens aren't lying. They're saying, Psh, they're just kicking butt and taking names, right? Exactly. Uh, but you're excited about this. This mm-hmm. Sunday night, what time? Do you know what time that's on? Forgive me. I do not know the time it starts, so I'm just going to... You are forgiven. You can look that up yourself on something called Google. Yes. So. In movie news, Green Lantern, of course, opens this weekend. And, of course, if, God forbid, you don't know what Green Lantern is about, it's a test pilot who's granted a mystical green ring that bestows on him otherworldly powers as the membership into an intergalactic squadron tasked with keeping peace within the universe. Say that five times real fast, and I'll give you a cookie. Mm. But uh, we're, you know, when this first came out, Miles, people kind of busted on it. Do you remember? I do. People, th- there was not a lot of love for this new Green Lantern movie. Yeah, so this movie did not get a lot of love when it was first released. What was the deal with that, Miles? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it was just the trailer just didn't wow people when they first saw it, and um, maybe it was just they thought, thought of too much CGI in it. Now, there is... No shortage of CGI in this movie. Well, I mean, come on. You're on a different planet. Whenever you put someone on a different planet in a planet like mm-hmm. where the Green Lanterns are from. And the, and the characters the oh, yeah. are, are all aliens. And it's pr- you know pretty much mostly CGI. But I think after they showed some subsequent other trailers, people thought, well, maybe this movie is actually going to be pretty good. I mean, we saw more of Ryan Reynolds' character, Hal Jordan, in it. And I think people are warming up a little now. Yeah. Well, what a great cast. We have Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Peter Sarsgaard, Mark Strong, Tamora Morrison, Jenna Craig. I thought it said Jenny Craig there for a moment, <laughs> but Jenna Craig is in there. So there's it has a nice cast that's kind of front running it and and I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's I don't think there's anyone else that really is worth mentioning. There may be some others. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those, na- some it, of those names. With the others either. So mm-hmm. but uh Green Lantern, hey guys. If you go to see Green Lantern, let us know what you thought of it. And we'll talk about our listener feedback show. We want to hear your thoughts, your reviews of the Green Lantern, and uh, we'll share ours. Maybe I'll have a chance to go out and see it this weekend. Yeah, a I Father's Day gift. 
Ooh, that'd be nice. Mm, that, that's a good I suggestion. Con my wife into taking me to see. Maybe not. She <laughs> might say, "Hey, you can go see it yourself, and I'll keep the kids. Have fun." <laughs> but, but anyways, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take us into a little bit of DVD news here? Well, like Scott has said, if if one Green Lantern is not enough. Uh, there's an animated Green Lantern movie coming out, uh, Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Uh, but, hey, you could, you'd never have a Green Lantern quite like this Green Lantern now. Well, this, th- th- there'll be some familiar names on this one. Um, as the home planet of the Green Lantern Corps faces a battle with an ancient enemy, Hal Jordan prepares a new recruit, uh, Aresia, for the coming conflict by relating stories of the first Green Lantern and several of, of Hal's comrades. Um, Nathan Fillion is... is uh, uh, voicing Hal Jordan, uh, Jason Isaacs is Sinestro, um, Kelly Hu is, is Lara, um, Roddy Piper is going to be um, one of the Green Lanterns, um, and uh, Henry Rollins, uh, uh, musician, Henry punk, Rollins. punk rock icon. Um, um, Insert Henry Rollins song here. No, yes, not, not uh, he, he is playing another Green Lantern. So. Um, some really good voice talents there. I, I've already put that on my Netflix queue, so hopefully I'll be getting that in the next couple of days. I'm not sure when I'll get, I'll get to see the, the, the live-action Green Lantern yet, so I'm going get, to get to see the animated one as soon as I can. Yeah, and um, there's this Tony, Tony Amendola, who, by the way, was a character, I believe, in Stargate SG-1. Oh, okay. I think so. Let me see. Uh, yep, he was Master Braytac, who's also in it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you know Bray. Now I know who that is. Yeah, yeah that's Braytech. So he's also he also voices a character in the Green Lantern movie, and it is Kentor. He's the voice of Kentor. Okay. So just so you know. So just I, so you know. So by the next time we do the next show, I should probably have a, a review of uh, the animated uh, uh, version of the movie. Oh, good. It's out already. It's yeah, it is out. Um, I think it came out June seventh. So okay, I, so we'll definitely look forward to that review, Miles. Okay, get on it, get on it. I have to wait for it comes in first. Yes. So we have a new Star Trek game that's coming out, and this is in honor of Ben DeBono and his love yeah. of Star Trek. Absolutely. And it came out at E three, or at least it's a it's coming out. I guess I should say. Last week at E three show and in Los Angeles, I had a chance to see. I didn't have a chance, but the person writing has had a chance to see the special demo of the upcoming Star Trek game set in the new movie. Universe. So it's in the JJ verse. It has been a long wait for the new Star Trek video game, but it's a new title as well worth the wait. More details and first impressions below. Um, so, Miles, you read this article. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you're saying about this game? Um, all positive stuff. I mean, uh, like you've said, it takes place in the JJ verse. So, things from the last movie. Um, we'll get to see um, Kirk and Spock. I'm not sure if it's going to be voiced by. Um, Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine, uh, but the, the pictures look like it's depictions of them. Um, we we'll get to see them in spacesuits. We'll see the shuttle bay. There's a there's a shot of them on the bridge with them holding on to it. So it looks like the, you know whatever ship they're on is there. There is a uh, decompression thing going on. Yeah. So uh, I think the thing that I like about this game is it, they worked very closely. Digital Extremes worked very closely with. Bad Robot, which of course is J.J. Abrams' company, and Kurtzman and or- Orsi on the game, who of course were writers behind the Star Trek uh, movie. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not much into video games, but I may have to give this one. Make make maybe it comes out. Uh, now the voice work is a voice work done by the actual cast. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. And that would be interesting to find out because I don't know. It probably says it in here, but I didn't. Uh, I, don't, I haven't. Yeah, in the article, there's, no, there's nothing said about it. Oh, there's that. nothing said about it? Yeah. Now, you saw the trailer. Tell me about this trailer. Well, there's, there's, no, dial- well, there's no dialogue, but it's, um, it, 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 it's big, lots of explosions. Um, you get to see Kirk and Spock Oops, running around. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, and you, you, can find this, you can find this trailer on YouTube, I'm sure, by now. Yeah. So, Miles, let's move into the nine. There's 19 classic movie monsters that scientists created by screwing a pig. <laughs> so, tell us about this, Miles. Okay. Well, if there's one thing we've learned from sci fi movies, it's that when scientists screw up, they tend to screw up big from the original Frankenstein's, the upcoming prequels for the Planet of the Apes, and the Thing. Hollywood has always been fascinated by the notion that we're just one scientific malfunction away from doom. With that in mind, let's take a look at some of the famous. Uh, 
monsters throughout the sci-fi movie history caused by goofs of science, remembering that though there have been many cherished uh, movie monsters developed from scientific errors, probably it's only the second best way to become a monster. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of these, Miles. Okay. Well, we have... Um, we, we, I don't know if you ever saw Species, where they they, they, they splice uh, human DNA and alien DNA. Uh, I did see one of them. Okay, well, she uh, she turns out to be you know a really badass killer. I mean, um, Godzilla is obviously in there. Has um, to be right. Oh, Godzilla's in there. They, they, I guess a nuclear explosion was a result of his creation. The Lawnmower Man, which I've never saw. It's a Stephen King book, but yeah, uh, I've never I've never seen that one either. Um, the idea is hoping to cure a learning disability. A scientist creates a, a being so smart it maliciously invades every aspect of technology. That's before Bill Gates did. Yeah. Um, Another one is the Fly. Oh yeah, the Fly definitely. Have you Have you seen either the old version or the new one? I haven't seen the new uh, the one. Je- okay. The Jeff Goldblum one. Yeah, I haven't seen. Okay, I, I saw that one, and I saw I saw the the, the, the sequel that the Eric Stoltz was in too. Okay. Um, but pretty much the same idea. Um, they, they, they experiment with teleportation and a fly gets in there and they, they kind of merge. The, so it's, it's, it's a bad scene. Yeah, the Hulk in there is one of them. That's kind of cool. The Hulk, I mean, uh, experimenting with, with radiation and look what you get. Uh, this, uh, um, I'm, I'm scared of sharks. So this one, I, I never saw the movie, um, but uh, deep blue sea, super smart sharks, uh, scientists try to cure Alzheimer's and end up making a brainiac shark. It's amazing how, how being so smart can make a creature so warlike. Yeah, boy, the Guomul looks terrible from the host. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever seen that, but not, not one that I... Oh, there is Godzilla. I like Godzilla. There he is. The giant ants from them. Oh, yes. Gotta love, love the giant ants. I know. Did you see this? No, that this is an old 50s movie. No, but classic nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, this one I sort of want to see, even though this is a, we talked about this in a past show, Splice. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. They create this human-animal hybrid. My um, my students gave it props, said oh. you got to see Splice. Oh, okay. But iRobot, yeah, they're kind of it. Good old what, uh, Alan Tudyk playing, voicing the robot and iRobot. Uh, that was him. That was him. I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Uh, yep, there we are. And... Uh, Oh, I like this one. The alligator people. Oh, definitely. A scientific scientist tries to regenerate body parts, but forgets about that the totally, absolutely obvious side effect of people turning into reptiles. And then there's Skynet. The ultimate screw up. The ultimate screw up. Mm-hmm. Although we just got done talking about the Matrix, the Matrix is also the ultimate screw up, in my opinion. Uh, exactly. Cre- creating cre- creating uh, self-aware robots and um, then enslaving them, and then they they rise up against you. Yeah. Darn robots. So, um, Frankenstein Monster is another classic example of science gone wrong. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, move into the twist, Miles. Well, this week is is, is about Star Trek, but it's also about Warehouse 13. and uh, this is our, from our friend Chris Wood at Subspace Communique. It looks like season three of Warehouse 13 is turned out to be one of the best places to watch your favorite Star Trek alumni strut their stuff. So far, TV Guide says that uh, Kate Mulgrew from Star Trek Voyager, Jerry Ryan from Voyager, and Rene Aubergenois of Deep Space Nine are making appearances, in, in some cases reappearances, during the upcoming season. Uh, Star Trek's uh, Jerry Ryan uh, debuts as a, as a bride named uh, Amanda on August 1st while... Uh, while Kate, uh, Captain Janeway Mulgrew, begins her uh, four-episode run as warehouse protector Jane in September. Both characters share a shocking connection to a re- series regular. Also look for Star Trek Deep Space Nine's uh, Rene Auberjonois to reprise his role from uh, last season as computer expert Hugo Miller. We'll discover, we'll discover a little more about his, his past, too, uh, Kenny says. It was an original Star Trek... I was an original Star Trek fan and loved the movies, says executive producer Jack Kenny. I remember loving when they cast a, a female captain in the Enterprise and have found her work uh, incredibly deep, thoughtfully, and compelling to watch. I'm thrilled to have her play a character who will play such an important overall role in our series. Considering Jack Kenny's love for Star Trek, we were wondering if there might be more Federation members slated for Warehouse 13 in the future. Nothing wrong with that, because after all, Star Trek rocks. Absolutely. 
Yep, and you just can't pass that up. So. Um, well, thank you, Mile. Anything? That's it for this week in Trek, right? Exactly. Yes. So, yeah, very cool. Well, uh, before we get into our interview, we want to play a promo for Geek Cred. Now, for those of you that don't know Steve Rickabert, who kind of front runs Geek Cred, I think I said his name right, he is the man responsible for us encountering Leviathan Chronicles. Oh. Because if he went on and said, hey, you got to check these guys out and interview them, I would not have heard of Leviathan Chronicles. And so a bunch of you out there listening would not have heard of Leviathan Chronicles if we're not for this podcast. So make sure you check it out and hear what he's talking about and uh, all the geekiness that he explores. Do you drool over cutting-edge technology? Are you the first in line for the latest sci-fi movie? Do you stay up late at night playing video games? Do you consider being called a geek a badge of honor? Then Geek Cred is the show for you. Join me, Steve Rickyberg, as I bring you in-depth, behind-the-scenes interviews to give you the inside scoop on everything geek. From tech, to sci-fi, to games, you name it, we geek it. Geek Cred, are you geek enough? To download and subscribe, visit www.geekcred.net and get your geek on. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Unbeknownst to Miles, I have hijacked this show, and we are bringing not Mike Schilling, who we're going to bring to you next week, because there's still time before show leave, but we had a late-breaking opportunity, Miles doesn't even know this, to interview the Saturn Awards, one of the foremost awards ceremonies on it on and in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So I sat down with Mark Altman, who wrote Free Enterprise, uh, Episodes of Castle, is currently working on Femme Fatale as a producer and director. I got a chance to chat with him for about a half an hour talking about the Saturn Awards, which are coming up this coming Thursday. And while we will not be able to watch them live, many times has an impact on the industry. I know that Anna Torres from Fringe is going to be there. J.J. Abrams is going to be there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is going to be there. Uh, George Clooney. There are tons of people that you know and watch in different movies and genre television that are going to be there. And so I had a chance to interview him and chat with him. And so here is the interview. <laughs> I think I ought to tell you that that uh, Aryan youth is going to kick you into oblivion. But what about in Arena, when Kirk fought the Gorn? That giant lizard monster was three times as big as him. My boy, that was a TV show. I used a stunt double. I always use a stunt double. Except in love scenes, I insist on doing those myself. Well, what would you do to avoid a fight? I wouldn't dress like a geek. Gold is not your color. Think Earth tones. Mike didn't actually start the fight. He didn't? No. Not exactly. Not exactly? Who threw the first punch? You don't want to know. I wouldn't have asked you if I didn't want to know. Well, it was something he said. What'd he say? You really don't want to know. I really do want to know. He said that Han Solo was cooler than Captain Kirk. Kick the little f***er's ass. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have with us Mark Altman, who is a producer, has been involved in so many things, including has done stuff with one Shatner Free Enterprise, the specials with Rob Lowe, Dark Room with Greg Grunberg of Heroes Fame, and The Thirst with Mac Kessler. And he also serves as an editor or served as an editor of 
a geek magazine. Mark is known as a Trekspert, um, so a, an authority in all things Star Trek, especially original series, and is noted for writing many books on Star Trek. He is now with Femme Fatale, which is a Cinemax show, and is the co-president of the Saturn Awards. Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to uh, be here today. Yeah, and now, did I miss anything that you're currently involved in that's science fiction related? Uh, I'm sorry? Did I miss anything in that huge rundown of your credits that, that you know, as far as science fiction goes? Wow, I, I, I like to think, you know, my life is pretty genre related, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, I, I haven't seen Super 8 yet, but I mean, from what I understand, that does define my existence, you know, I could <laughs> Grew up with you know making uh, super great movies and uh, falling in love with the genre you know and, and movies like Logan's Run and Planet of the Apes and Star Wars and so uh, you know it, 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 it's funny because I had seen um, when I was a kid in, in Cine Fantastic magazine a little ad a quarter page ad for the um, Academy of Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror and I thought it was the uh, the coolest thing ever I couldn't believe that out way out in California they had a an organization that was devoted to science fiction, uh, fantasy, and horror. I thought it was the coolest thing. And then one day, growing up in New York, I remember on Channel 5, they actually showed the, the Saturn Awards on television. And it, it, I, I thought that, that it couldn't get any cooler until William Shatner came out and sang Rocket Man. And <laughs> if I had died at that moment, my life would have been complete. It was uh, the coolest thing. And uh, so, uh, you know, ironically, um, you know, it was sort of... Uh, you know, I seen Cinefantastic many years later. Uh, you know, for a couple of years, I I, I actually owned Cinefantastic because um, when uh, Fred Clark, um, the publisher of that magazine, passed away, he sort of gave me my start in genre journalism. So I wanted to keep the magazine going, and had um, and had bought that along with Femme Fatale, along with my my partners on that, and uh, it was really an honor to sort of carry on that tradition. But uh, then, of course, I sort of moved away from, from all that because, uh, you know, I was off doing movies and television and, 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 and didn't really stay in publishing. But, uh, you know, that was such a, a joy, you know, to be able to be part of that. And, you know, like Fred Clark, uh, you know, another person who sort of loomed large, you know, in 70s, 80s, you know, genre who I was lucky enough to meet was, uh, you know, Dr. Donald Reed, who was the uh, president of uh, the Saturn Awards. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I first got involved with them back when I was doing free enterprise with my good friend, Rob Burnett and, uh, Rob uh, directed free enterprise and, uh, had gone to film school at USC where the, the Stockholm Academy was very active. And, uh, he used to tell me that he would go to these movies on Sunday that they would screen before, uh, um, you know, before they came out of theaters. And so I, he started dragging me along to some of these, these screenings and that's where I first met. Dr. Reed and, and Robert Holguin, who's now the um, uh, president of the Santa Wars, and I said, I can't believe it. This is that organization I read about in Cinefantastic when I was a kid. And uh, so I immediately, uh, you know, sort of got involved in, you know, doing what I could do to help side and stuff. And, and I was fortunate that, uh, um, uh, you know, many years later, uh, you know, Dr. Reed, uh, who's one of the most interesting and dynamic and, and smart, uh, uh, you know, academicians and passionate fans at the same time, you know, had, had asked me if I could become more involved because, you know, there's a long line of um, industry professionals who grew up on the genre who got involved with uh, uh, the Academy, you know, people like James Cameron and Richard Donner and um, and, and uh, uh, Dean Devlin, and just uh, so many people uh, who were sort of touched by the Academy. So I, you know, I was really honored to sort of be asked to join that, that you know, sort of inner, inner, inner circle and, 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 you know, sort of help and advise them. And I've, I've been doing that for many years, and I think it's all been, you know, our dream to sort of uh, get the show back on television sort of where it belongs, and that's something that we've been, you know, working towards. Uh, but it is one of the uh, the most fun uh, fun shows. You know, they used to always say um, uh, about the Academy Awards that it was way more fun when it wasn't televised, you know, when people could be honest and be candid. And, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the Golden Globes still have that quality, even though they're tele televised. And one of the things that I, I love about the Saturn Awards is, uh, you know, you can people will say anything, do anything. I remember when Frank Darabont was... Um, 
uh, I think, uh, giving John Carpenter a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he was just cursing like a sailor. And Leonard Nimoy's wife stood up and started telling him to stop cursing. And um, I mean, we've just seen so many people <laughs> that I've, you know, uh, I've um, admired, you know, uh, for for many, many, you know, many years, you know, who I've had the chance to to meet at the Saturn Awards. And um, you know, last year, uh, I remember. Uh, my my uh, executive producer and co-creator on Femme Fatales with me went up to James Remar. He'd grown up on the Warriors and, uh, you know, just went up to him and just said what a huge fan he was of James Remar. You know, of course, he was in the Warriors in 48 hours and, you know, later, you know, did, did, was in Aliens for about 12 seconds before he was replaced by Michael Bean. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, just like... Uh, you know, he was just, he was just like so appreciative that, that people, you know, care and have this, this passion. And, and I think sometimes people are mystified that, you know, we care so much about things that were, you know, 30, 40, 50, 75 years old. But I think it's really important, particularly in this sort of 15 minutes of fame culture and with Netflix where, you, you know, people, you know, maybe are watching Star Wars The Phantom Menace for the 20,000th time. I don't know what sick mind would do that. Right. But uh, <laughs> rather than going back and sort of embracing the classics like, you know, Forbidden Planet. Because, you know, when we were all growing up, you know, you, you only had a certain amount of channels and you watched what you were given. So you, you'd be exposed to all kinds of different movies and maybe, you know, see things, the good, the bad, and the ugly that you would never be exposed to. Like, I doubt I would have ever seen The Green Slime if I had chosen to, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, 10,000 movies I could download in a giant DVD collection. Would I have chosen to watch The Green Slime? Probably not. But when it's the only thing, you know, on television at 4.30 in the afternoon, you know, uh, you watch it. I think my life has been enriched for having seen The Green Slime. You know? <laughs> I can probably give you 100 movies like that that I would have probably never watched, you know, had I had a choice, uh, you know. But I just think that... You know, those of us who grew up during a certain era, you know, sort of just got exposed to a much broader array of movies. And that's something that I think the Academy is really intent on cultivating and honoring. And I think, you know, sometimes when I see the nominees, you sort of say, oh, you know, wow, that's really interesting that they chose to to uh, to honor that person because, you know, maybe it's more esoteric or obscure, but you know, any of the more mainstream organizations, you know, would never recognize them. And, and in a way, I think, you know, the fact that the Academy could actually give an Oscar to somebody like Roger Corman, as they did last year, you know, is sort of a testament to, um, you know, the Academy uh, science fiction's own influence and, and sort of popularizing and mainstreaming sort of these fringe kind of, you know, filmmakers. Right, right. Well, you know, it also says here that you're a Trexpert. How did you get that title? Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, for many years, um, had covered uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and its subsequent iterations um, for Cinefantastic. And back before there were, you know, a million websites and stuff, I, I sort of popularized the, the episode guide, which were these you know, double issues with these exhaustive, I mean, I would interview, you know, maybe a hundred people who worked on the show, everybody down to like the best boy and the key grip, you know, and, and, and do these really in-depth, articles on making the show um and at the time they were extremely extremely popular and i ended up doing a couple of books on the subject and at one point the los angeles times did a big article on me and called me the world quote-unquote world's foremost trexpert which i don't know if that was an insult or compliment uh, <laughs> depends but, on the company uh, right i wish sort of uh <laughs> uh uh, uh, uh I would say tarred and feathered, or or or, uh, or given that uh, that that medal of honor. So um, uh, it stuck with me these many years, and and uh, you know, of course, I think when uh, Rob and I made Free Enterprise, which was really about uh, two guys who have a, a passion for the genre, who meet their idol William Shatner and find out he's more screwed up than they are, which is sort of a love letter to the genre. Um, you know, uh, obviously, my my Trek credentials sort of. Um, uh, help because it was clear that we were not um, uh, we were not two guys who were coming and trying to exploit the genre and knew nothing about it, but that you know we were people who love you know science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And anybody who's actually seen the movie, you know, is is, is well well aware of that fact just from the many obscure references. But um, I think that uh, uh, yeah, that's where that whole world's foremost Trexpert thing came from. And of course, you know. Um, uh, I, I think I lost that title a long time ago because uh, you, 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 you know, it used to be 
you know, they name that tune, you know, one or two lines from an episode would come on or a musical thing, and I could tell you what episode it was without even, you know, looking at the TV screen. But uh, I'm not sure I could still do that now. <laughs> I probably could for the, I could do that for the original Star Trek, but by the time, by the time Deep Space Nine was over, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't really a Voyager fan. I, I stopped writing about it uh, a little after Voyager debuted, and certainly by the time Enterprise came on. So there, I, <laughs> You know, I used to be the uh, the master. Now I'm a learner because I uh, I don't uh, I, I you know I couldn't begin to and uh, you know uh, tell you anything about some of the later yeah. shows, but. Uh. I, I, I think it'd still be pretty hard to stop me on the original Star Trek. Though. Wow. Well, so in your circles, did you ever run into a man named Larry Nemchek? Oh, sure. No, I know Larry well. Um, you know, Larry, of course, did the Star Trek Compendium and, and sort of has done a lot of wonderful writing and journalism on, on, on Star Trek. And I, I, you know, I think to Larry's credit, I don't know how he's still doing this. He's still writing about Star Trek. So oh, uh, he's, he's <laughs> still, He still is. I, we just interviewed him the other night. That's what made me think about it because he's considered like the world's foremost authority in Star Trek now too so I thought maybe you're competing for titles or something oh no no trust me Larry knows a lot more about Star Trek than I do uh, you know I, maybe 10-15 years ago that would have been true but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt um, uh, that uh, Larry knows uh, you know Larry's probably forgotten more about Star Trek than I know and, and, and that's pretty scary because I know quite a bit <laughs> now you mentioned that sometimes you look at the nominations and you even look at some of the films that are included in the Saturn Awards. And I know I'm looking at the list today and I'm saying, okay, how does a film like Black Swan, for example, or even The American make it into um, a genre award show like this? Because, I mean, those are shows when they come out, you don't see them really subtitled or even associated with sci- sci-fi fantasy and horror. Well, you know, look, that's a really interesting question. And I would say that, you know, my, uh, my role in the Academy is as an advisor, and, and so I advise them, and I'm not necessarily the person who makes those final decisions, uh, and I, I, uh, it would be hard-pressed to justify right. the American, uh, uh, would be not, but, but, you know, there are people who would make the passionate argument that, um, uh, you know, first of all, there is an action-adventure category, you know, thriller, uh, which these, these categories would qualify for. And at the same time, each branch has its own leaders um, and, and people that are responsible for the nominations. So uh, in some cases, you know, they, they have a passion for a certain type of film and they can articulate it. There have been films which I am befuddled by how they would be nominated, but uh, they have advocates who, who, who make a case for it, and I understand that, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I would tell you, you know, there's, there's certainly things that, you know, even as the co-president, I, I, I wish had been nominated. I was sorry not to see nominated. There's things I look at that I'm shocked that were nominated, but that's true of any award show. And, you know, I can just exercise my vote uh, and, and vote for what I like and, you know, see how it all turns out in the wash. But, uh, you know, that's that's what horse race, how horse races are made, I guess. So it's, it's uh, But, yeah, I, I you know, it, it, it's interesting. And it definitely is something that we've discussed internally and gone back and forth on. I know I've, I've said my two cents about, you know, uh, I think this organization whose job it is to call attention to the great work that's being done in science fiction and fantasy horror, which has often been considered a, uh, um, a genre uh, that um, is frivolous or doesn't get respect. So here's an organization whose job is to bring respect and attention to these type of films. And, you know, it's certainly my uh, preference to focus on those type of films rather than the type of film, the filmmakers and the actors that may get recognition through other circles. No, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I guess maybe uh, we've kind of been mentioning the Saturn Awards, and you mentioned a little bit about how you came into Saturn Awards. Uh, the Saturn Awards really covers everything in genre and genre fiction as far as television and movies. Is there anything that the Saturn Awards doesn't really cover as far as the yeah, science fiction world? It doesn't cover, and you can make a case that it should, um, uh, and I'm on the fence about it, of video games. Uh, it doesn't cover books and graphic novels. Um, it's mostly, you know, it's film, it's television. Um, we, you know, we, I, I, we don't do at, the, at present, you know, um, uh, web web series or um, uh, internet, you know, and those are all things, particularly since we're dealing with science fiction that's sort of on the cutting edge, that is perhaps there's an argument to be made that we should, and, you know, maybe eventually we will. 
Um, but at the moment, you know, like I said, it's mostly, you know, home entertainment, you know, uh, DVD, Blu-ray, uh, film and TV. So, um, but, you know, I think there's always room to grow and to expand. And I wouldn't be surprised if over the next couple of years, you start to see that happen. Right. Now, for, uh, for most people that are working with the Saturn World Awards, is this a labor of love? Or, I mean, is this a huge you know, cast of people that's being paid to do this, or is this mostly people that are no, just lovers? No, it's a nonprofit organization. People are all volunteers, and, and um, I think that uh, it is a born out of passion. There are a lot of people, you know, look, there are a lot of people that Dr. Reed mentored who have become uh, tremendous successes. Uh, you look at somebody like Brian Singer, who, um, you know, was sort of uh, mentored by uh, Dr. Reed and, uh, you know, was a member of the Academy, I guess continues to be a member, you know, he's gone into great success in the genre. And, uh, you know, somebody like Dustin Lance Black, who did uh, Milk um, and uh, actually did a documentary about Dr. Reed. You know, I, um, uh, you know, Rob Burnett, who was the first person to introduce me to, who did Free Enterprise and subsequently done, you know, a lot of movies and television, um, you know, also, you know, had, had been, you know, mentored by Dr. Reed. And, and Dr. Reed was a really interesting man. He had started in the 60s, the Count Dracula Society. He was a very well-regarded academic, but yet he had this incredible passion for science fiction and fantasy and horror when it was not cool. And, um, uh, you know, the fact that he, he started this organization and he grew the organization, and, and then, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, when he passed away, you know, sort of his protege took over, Robert Holguin, and has kept it going, and, 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 and it has flourished under his leadership. And, you know, it's a real testament to these guys that they, you know, didn't walk away from it and have continued to nurture it. And, uh, you know, we sort of anyone who's a fan of this type of entertainment really owes them a deep debt of gratitude. Right, right. Or, you know, continuing it. And, you know, Dr. Reed, uh, you know, it's just, it, 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 you know, he would introduce the screenings and, he, he was just, you know, look, he was a guy who you had tremendous respect for, and at the same time, he just, he was, he was just, you know, you describe people as a character. He was just a, a real character. I mean, the way he would talk and the way that, you know, he would, uh, you know, but extremely articulate and wise, and, you know, at, at the same time, I remember there was like a 30th anniversary of Halloween uh, thing, and he was giving out the Golden Scroll to a bunch of uh, different filmmakers, and he goes, and now we have we have Mr. P.J. Souls in, in the audience. Mr. P.J. Souls, will you please come down and accept your golden scroll? And then, you know, of course, P.J. Souls is a very attractive woman. And he goes, oh, my God, you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was such a delightful uh, character. And, uh, and like I said, smart and very nurturing, always putting himself, uh, you know, other people ahead of himself. And, you know, like I said, there's so many people he mentored. Lonnie Paris there, who's the CEO of Zoic, who's done the special effects for things like, uh, um, uh, you know, like Firefly and Buffy. And, uh, you know, I could just go on and on. And, I mean, I remember when he passed away, I mean, the people that were at the funeral and, and at the next year's Saturn Awards, uh, you know, from you know Richard Donner to William Freakin to you know all these legends of the genre who whose careers had been influenced and shaped by this man, inspired by the man. It was really uh, it was very very moving, and uh, I think that is a really important job of the academy, sort of to keep the legacy and the memory you know of Dr. Reed uh, Reed alive. Mm. You know, one of the things that um, that that I always wonder is. So we see these award shows like the Globes and the Academies and, you know, here are the Saturn Awards. How do awards like this impact the industry, in your opinion? Or is well, that hard to say? Well, I think they do because I do know that, you know, the, 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 you know, the studios really lobby. You know, they obviously take out a lot of advertising in the, uh, and support the show through the um, program book. Um, you know, I think that I've seen people who've accepted the awards, you know, who've basically broken down into tears for whom it, you know, really means a great deal, particularly people, you know, who grew up on it, who are aware of the organization. Um, but it, you know, but at the same time, I think its stature has grown over the years. I, I think part, you know, so many new award shows have, have suddenly, you know, because of cable and everything, you know, everything from, you know, sexiest bathing suit awards, you know, whatever. And so the Saturn Awards, just by virtue of being the grand old man, having been around, you know, for so long, uh, you know, has a certain degree of stature. And that's something you can't buy. I mean, you look at something like the Scream Awards on Spike, and, you know, that's what, you know, you would call advertorial. It's sort of pay to play. It's like, you know, somebody has a new movie coming out in October. Well, guess what? They're going to win an award, you know, at the Scream Awards. Whereas, 
you know, kind of words, you know, are presided over by a real academy and, you know, accountant. It's, you know, it's much like the Oscars or any other, you know, serious award show. You know, there's no vote tampering. There's no, you know, it's like sometimes you can't believe some of the stuff that wins, you know. Right, right. So, uh, and it's not a popular choice. It's, it's a, a large majority of the people involved in the academy are people in the industry, you know, both on the higher rungs and, the, you know, lower rungs, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, both above the line and below the line. And, and, um, and uh, uh, you know, and then a lot of really passionate fans. And I think because they're sort of based out of USC, you know, they get people, you know, who are, you know, at a very early stage, you know, in their, uh, you know, college, uh, you know, their college, they find out about the organization they join, and then they're usually members for life. Wow. Well, very cool. Well, very cool. Now, uh, so we're about a week out from the Saturn Awards. I believe, what, June 23rd is the date? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> so how is, uh, what, you know, are we, are you guys in frantic mode as far as preparations go? I mean, where, how, how does this all fit for you? Or are you just kind of like, I'm co-president, I don't need to do a lot? I, I, what's going on well, here? <laughs> it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty in, in, insane because, you know, you have the Marcus brothers who are writers and producers who are busy writing the show, <clears throat> the talent coordinator who's busy, you know, booking the talent and the presenters and things like that, Aaron Griffith, and of course, you know, Robert, who's overseeing it all and making sure it all comes together. A couple of years ago, they switched venues, and it's pretty extraordinary place that they have it. It overlooks the whole city, and the view alone is, is um, <laughs> worth the price of admission, so to speak. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty frantic in those first, those last couple of days right before the show. Um, it really gets, uh, it really gets nuts, but, uh, you know, I think the guys have done the show enough times that they sort of have it down to a science or always a few curveballs. but, you know, I must say that I think the last couple of years have been some of the best shows that they've done. I mean, last year it was a very moving speech. Uh, Leonard Nimoy accepted, uh, for best guest star for friends. And I think we we're all very aware that this is probably the last award that, you know, Leonard may ever get, you know, right. because he's retired and to be there and. It meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to him. And I, I've seen him at a show a number of times. <laughs> he really is the grand old man of, of, of the genre at this point. And then, of course, you know, J.J. is a huge booster. And <laughs> he was there and has won many awards at the, the Saturn Awards. And it's just, you never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to talk to. And it's, 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 it's really, you know, quite a fun. It, it's, I joke, the Algonquin Geek Table, in a sense, because there's just a lot to be, um, you know, you know, never have a bad time. Uh, just so many fond memories of different things that have happened over the years. In a way, you know, 30 years ago when Shatner sang Rocket Man and, you know, performed it in his stick, which is, you know, continues to, I think, thrive on YouTube today. It just continues from there. It's a combination of kitsch and, 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 and sort of a drama and suspense and nostalgia and, you know, genuinely moving moments. So, uh, it's really a, a just um, uh, you know there's nothing quite like the Saturn Awards and right. you know I for one am thrilled to uh, you know to, to be involved with an organization like that because if there's some eight year old or ten year old kid out there who learns about this and uh, you know realizes that there are people out there that take you know his interests or her interests seriously you know uh, and, and and it makes them want to become you know professionals or just. Um, you know, take you take you know look look at some movies that maybe they wouldn't have looked at in the past. You know, I, I think it's great. So I'm I'm really glad to be able to help them and sort of be a part of of, of the show and the organization and you know sort of preserve Dr. Reed's memory and carry things forward. Now you mentioned that you moved uh, venues. Where is it, where are the Saturn Awards currently held? They held a, a top secret location. Oh. No, they're uh, held at the uh, no, they're held at the. Uh, <clears throat> they are held at the uh, what is that place called? I'm, I'm, I'm with, uh, Steve Cruzier, the executive producer of Fatal. What is that? The Castaways, Castaways right? Castaways in uh, at, uh, in Burbank, yeah. Oh, okay. Castaways restaurant in Burbank. It's a lovely place, and um, and uh, they used to have it in a very like sort of five star hotel ballrooms and stuff. And this place has a little more uh, personality to it, and. Uh, you know, being the fine advisor to the Saturn Awards I am, I highly discourage them from moving to the Castaways. And, of course, it turned out great. So what do I know? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, at least you have a good venue to do that. So we obviously have to hit the <laughs> highlights. What are the highlights that are about in this year's awards? What are some things that people are, you know, hot to trot on that want to talk about? 
regarding this year's award? Well, I got to tell you, you know, it's hard to really say until it's over because, you know, there are always so many unexpected surprises and, and, and highlights. And, you know, right now, I don't know who the winners are. And, you know, I think that, you know, we sort of like to keep it under the, under the, under wraps until it happens. But, I think, you know, you definitely, you know, post-mortem to be done because uh, you usually there'll be a whole bunch of new and exciting and wonderful stories and anecdotes that will come out of the show. Right, you know, right. Of course, right. The people haven't had too much to drink and they actually remember. Right, right. I think it'll be another great year for the Saturn Awards. Right, right. Um, we, of course, have Inception up there, Walking Dead's up there. There's a bunch of big genre shows uh, that are up there. Fringe is up there again, and uh, we are huge lovers of all those shows. Um, so before we let you go here, and I appreciate you taking time to chat with us here in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm yeah. glad. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, acknowledge the work that the Academy is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when will we find out the winners? We will find out. I think the winners, you know, are literally announced as they're announced in the hall. That they, they they are posted in real time on the internet. So, okay. Um, you know, people should log into the SaturnAwards.com, and I believe that that information will go up as soon as the as as soon as the winners are announced. And certainly, I'm sure you can expect to see it. The winners announced. You know, Hollywood Reporter the next day, and and Variety, and all the Hollywood trades will have those announcements. And most of the websites and genre websites will pick up on that as well. Very very good, and um, and. Uh any, there's no way you said to view these live. I'm sorry, there's no way to view them live. I don't know. At this time, there's not a webcast or a televised uh, cast, but that is something that I know that the Academy is working on diligently for the future. Right. So maybe not this year, but the next or the year after. You very know, good. Hopefully, see it on TV or at least, at the very least, a live uh, a webcast of the event. Well, um, before we go, can you tell people where to find out more about you and more about what you are working on apart from Saturn Awards? Yeah, sure. If people are interested in, in, in what I'm doing, you know, they can always check out the IMDb. Um, you know, we currently have a Femme Fatale airing Friday nights on Cinemax, which is a film noir, uh, Pulp Fiction-inspired show, um, anthology show in the spirit of the Twilight Zone, uh, which I'm quite proud of. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, also uh, several other movie and TV products. Also have um, uh, the new comic book, uh, which I did with Steve Krasier, Elvis Van Helsing, which just did comic book stores and was just optioned as a, a movie. And um, and then, you know, we'll be down at San Diego Comic-Con uh, with uh, the show and, and uh, you know, uh, promoting the many different things that we have going on as well. But, uh, you know, definitely for information on the Academy and the Saturn Awards, you know, SaturnAwards.com is a great place to go. And, uh, you know, it's always uh, Google or Bing or, or uh, Yahoo, <laughs> whatever search engine you prefer. <laughs> right. They can find something on you. That's right. Uh, I find a lot of things I'd rather they not find. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, just articles I wrote. What twelve years ago? Mortgage right. is going to be a great show. Right. Yeah, okay, right. right, right, right. <laughs> oh man! Well, thank you so much for sitting and chatting with us, Mark, and I uh, look forward no, my to my pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, we're back. We hope you enjoyed that interview. We, before we go, we have to give you our sci-fi five and five. And Miles, I believe this is yours. And uh, so, Miles, what what is the sci-fi five and five about tonight? Well, um, with our continuing relations with um, the, uh, the sci-fi Christian um, relations, it's a feud. Um, right, right. You make uh, it sound so intimate. And yes, uh, it's really more volatile than that. It, it's more. It's, it's more volatile and. Uh, um, malicious, yes. Uh, definitely, definitely malicious. Mm -hmm. At least from their part, we're not malicious at all. Absolutely but, not. I have no, malicious bone in my body. Yeah, no, not not at all. Just uh, don't mm -hmm. meet you in a dark alley. But, but anyways, uh, but this is for for Ben Demo, De Bono. Um, just to why why Star Trek rocks, and so our our, our sci fi five is five reasons why Star Trek still rocks. And I could have come up with a lot more in five, but for brevity's sake, we'll just keep it at five. Right, right. We did want to keep this under one hour. So. Number five, even though the original series' first pilot didn't wow the TV executives, it wowed them enough to ask for a second pilot. How many TV shows get that kind of second chance? Not Wonder Woman, that's for sure. No, not at all. <laughs> 
Um, after having been around, this is the fourth one, after having been around for 45 years, it spawned five spin-off TV shows, 11 movies, numerous fan fiction, countless paperback novels, video games, and a new movie coming in either 2012 or 2013. Can't argue with that. Not many shows does that. Uh, number three, some of the best one-liners anywhere. Live long and prosper. He's dead, Jim. I'm not a doctor. I'm a, well, you fill in the blank. And who can forget Beam Me Up, Scotty? I certainly can't. In just about all the incarnations of Star Trek, you've had a multicultural crew, different nationalities, different races. I'm not getting all politically correct preachers or something like that, but it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. We had, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't just a white Anglo-Saxon crew. It was, you know, it was a representation of all of, all of humanity and even, in, you know, the half-human, half-alien Spock on, the, on board. Uh, all incarnations of Trek had a very similar formula. Yep, very cool. And um, it may not have been the first show to do this, but it, it was one of them. In just about in, in just about every incarnation of Trek, uh, they will take current events that are hot buttons. And, and back in the '60s, some things that the TV executives didn't want to even touch uh, with a ten-foot pole. Star Trek was able to do it in, in their storytelling and, and address uh, the, the issues in their uh, episodes. Absolutely, I think that's a phenomenal sci-fi five and five. Thank you. So very cool. Um, and we aren't even talking about how Trek has influenced culture, mm-hmm. has Trek has influenced uh, science, right? And um, has inspired people to become scientists. And you just don't have that kind of thing happening with a lot of sci-fi that's out there. Well, yeah, pe- people have inspired to become astronauts because of Star Trek, right? You know, it's just uh, exactly that. That that's that's another thing, um, right? Yep, so very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that, Miles. My pleasure. I believe that is about it. So we should probably wipe down the tables and close the blinds and get ready to jet out of the diner here. Um, again, if you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, visit us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to comment on anything that we said, about anything that we said, want to tell us that you're coming to Shore Leave or whatever you want to talk about, call us at 1-888-508-4343 or you can send us an audio file, an MP3 file at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Our regular email will also do. You can also find us on Twitter. Yep. And I, I am Son of War for Twitter. And we are the Sci-Fi Diner, mm-hmm. or Sci-Fi Diner, I guess it is. And um, if you want to weigh in on the Sci-Fi uh, feud that's going on, just type in hashtag Sci-Fi Feud, and you'll see all the good things that Ben DeBono and Matt Anderson are saying about us. Oh, yes. Because um, we're taking the high road here and not responding. We are taking the high road. <laughs> Actually, I just haven't had time to get on Twitter to do it. <laughs> so man, who am I kidding here? All right, we'll see you guys later. Till next time, good night and good luck. Pack my bags. Last night, pre-flight. Zero hour. 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high.
fact, it's cold as hell. I think it's going to be long. 